Good morning, church. So good to see you all. Good morning online. Um, Paul, you may have noticed his absence is missing. He's not here. Unfortunately, he's had this uh, speaking engagement at a retreat in Virginia booked out since, um, I don't know, for over two years now. It was canceled during COVID, and so he's just honoring that commitment to them and flying out to them for a few days. So we will miss him, but the show will go on without him. Um, and uh, I just wanted to quickly just say thank you to all the women that came last night to the Women's Dessert Evening. It was fun, and it was really great to connect with a lot of you, and we'll have to do more things like that as well. But thanks for everyone that chipped in, that made desserts, that came, that uh, put in the effort and put in the exercise, um, popping balloons. It was really, really cool. And uh, real grateful for um, Shay and the Fremanises for hosting that. That was really fun. Um, well, I get the pleasure to introduce the beautiful Shauna Floyd to come and share this morning. We're really thrilled that she said yes. And uh, um, just really, I don't know if those of you, there's a quite a few new people here. Hugh um, and Shauna have been a part of New Life City since its inception for 22 years. 22 years it's been going on. So uh, they have been here from the beginning and they have stayed. And I think that's just like a testament to the faithfulness of both of them. Hugh is um, an elder with the church. Um, and uh, if you know them, you know that their kids are phenomenal kids. And it is a credit to their parenting, to the way that they show Jesus, to the way that they demonstrate the love of Jesus, both in the way that they raise their children and also in the way that they do ministry. And uh, Shauna has been involved in like transformational ministry for over 20 years. And so this is what she's going to be um, speak, sharing on this morning. Who knows what we're, our message series is at the moment? Transformation. So um, I know it's a privilege for her to see people set free um, through the Holy Spirit and just be transformed into uh, who God's called them to be. So um, two of Shauna and Hugh's kids are here, Judah and Josiah. They're both in high school still. And their elder daughters. <laughs> yeah. Very handsome. Always dressed so well for church. I'm always really impressed. And their two beautiful daughters are in college, Maddie and Mariah. So anyway, Hugh unfortunately won't be here today, isn't able to make it today. But um, if you guys would just stand and welcome Shauna. It's such a privilege to have her. We've got water. Okay. Take it away, Shauna. Is it working? Oh, check one. Got that done. Okay. Hi, everyone. My son Judah is a, he's, he's a gifted speaker. And today I told him, I said, I just was thinking about how many people are going to be in there. And he said, Mom, that's an amateur mistake. Never look at <laughs> or a rookie. That's a rookie mistake. Never look at how many people were in there. Okay. Um, so, transformation. When Paul, Paul, thank you, Paul. 
I'm honored that you asked me to speak um, on something. This is one of my passions, transformation. Um, I'm gonna pray real fast, okay, so I don't just start talking. <laughs> Holy Spirit, thank you for just the gift of life and the gift of wholeness and fullness in you. Thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for the word, the truth of God. Thank you that through you, we really can be set free. Lord, I pray that you would anoint my words and that you would even take gibberish or messed ups and mistakes that I say, and that you would speak directly to people exactly where they need to hear from you. Lord, we love you and we're so honored to serve you. King of kings and Lord of lords, we praise you, we praise you and we pray in your holy name. Amen. Um, Tanya, is Tanya in here? Griego? I was like, well, I guess I don't need to say anything now because she, <laughs> she pretty much said everything. I think that was crazy. I don't think she knew what I was speaking about, but it was really the same thing, just capturing lies and replacing them with truth. Transformation uh, can come in many ways. Like, you know, sometimes people get stuck in their head a lot and they're just looking inward, looking inward, and, and a good suggestion would be for them to go and just serve, like at a homeless ministry or at a food shelter, because when we begin to serve that stuff, we, can, we break off the bondage of that. Transformation could come if we're having pain, heartache from loss, um, or anything, and we begin to worship, we can be transformed by the presence of God. So when I speak today, I want you to know that I often speak very passionately about transformation. But I, I want to make sure you know that I know there are lots of ways to be transformed, right? God has infinite ways to transform us. And, and I, you can just never be surprised enough about some of the crazy ways people get transformed. Today, what I'm talking about specifically in a very small bit of time is transformation prayer. So prayer that we pray that transforms us. And when I, I call it godly transformation, and there's all kinds of godly transformation, but I call this godly transformation. And simply put, it's um, replacing the lies that we believe about ourselves or our situation with truth via the Holy Spirit. It's radical tra transformation. What transformation is, it's like, I think this, oh wow, now I think this. It's revolution, right? It's it's eye-opening, it's a whole new way of thinking that can happen in an instant. Um, I have, a, I have a, um, a section of the Bible I wanna read that is an example of transformation. Um, so we're gonna read through it, and, and what it is, it's when the 12 spies went to spy out the land. Um, just a little bit, you know, I didn't grow up in church, I was saved when I was 13, and sometimes the pastor would say something like I just said, and I'm like, who, what? So just for those who might not know, uh, God's children, the people of Israel were being held captive, but he promised them freedom and to go. And so what I'm about to read is a place where they were about to go and spy out a land to see if that might be the place that they would begin to dwell, okay? And um, so there's 12 of them. And I'm gonna separate two from 10. So I'm gonna call 10 the 10. And two of them are someone named Joshua and someone named Caleb. And, and as I read the story, just kind of take note of how differently they see the exact same circumstance. Um, and so we're gonna read Numbers 
starting, this is chapter 13, starting in verse 21, if you want to put the slide up. It is a little tiny, but okay. So, uh, so Moses has told them, he's told the 12, like, here we go, we're gonna go out. So they're going, okay? So verse 21, so they went up and spied out the land from the wilderness of Zin, Rehoab, near the Lebo Hamath. They went to the Negev and came to Hebron. A Haman, a Sheshah, and Talmi, the descendants of Anak, were there. Hebron was built seven years before Zone in Egypt, for those who didn't know that. Um, <laughs> And they came to the valley of Eshkol, and they cut down from there a branch with a single cluster of grapes, and they carried it on a pole between two of them, and they brought some pomegranates and some figs. That place was called the valley of Eshkol because of the cluster of the people of Israel cut down from there. At the end of 40 days, they returned from spying out the land, and they came to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the people of Israel of the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh, they brought back word to them and all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him, we came to the land which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. However, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. And besides, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Melekites dwell in the land of Negeb. The Hittites and the Jezebites and the Amorites dwell in the hill country and the Canaanites dwell in the sea along the Jordan. But Caleb quieted the people before Moses, and he said, let's go up at once and occupy it, for we are able to overcome it. And then the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against these people, for they are stronger than we are. So they brought the people of Israel a bad report about the land that they had spied out, saying, the land through which we have gone to spy out is a land that devours its inhabitants. inhabitants. And all the people that we saw there are of great height. And there we saw Nephilim, the sons of Anak, who come from the Nephilim. And we seemed to ourselves like grasshoppers. And so we seemed to them. Then all the congregation raised a loud cry, and the people wept that night. All the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The whole congregation said to them, would it be that we had died in the land of Egypt or would that we would now die in the wilderness, in this wilderness? Why the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become prey. Would it not be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to one another, let us choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before the assembly of the congregation and the people of Israel. And Josiah, the son of Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, who were among these who had spied out the land, tore their clothes and all the congregation of the people of Israel. They said, the land in which we pass through to spy out is exceedingly good. If the Lord delights in us, he will bring us this land. He will give it to us. And do not fear the people of the land for they are bread to us. Their protection is removed from them and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. So did you see the two perspectives of the same story? Um, our circumstances often are not gonna change. Like the circumstances here are real. They're not changes. Nephilim, I don't know. Some people say, I don't really know this. I'm no theologian, so please, theologian, so don't come to me later and tell me how I messed up. But 
The Nephilim, some people say, were like the fallen angels that met with the giants and that's why they were giants. So that was a real, that was a real situation. I'm not denying that it was a real situation. But um, let's look at why did Caleb and Joshua see it differently? Now this next part, I'm gonna tell you that I discovered it, but if you talk to Hugh, he might tell you he discovered it. This is legitimate. I was telling him so passionately about this and he was like, I told you that. So anyway, I don't know. <laughs> so anyway, in Exodus 33, so going back in Exodus, this is back when God, so now we have the Holy Spirit in us, but this was back when the spirit of God dwelled in this tent, right? And so at the time that I'm about to read about, the tent was in the, there was the tent where the tabernacle was, the tent where God was resting, his spirit was. And then there's a circle where everyone else camped. And, um, the ritual was that every day Moses would go out and people would go to their tent and they would stand at their tent while he would meet with God and then they'd go back in. So I'm just gonna read a little part of Exodus where that's happening. When Moses entered the tent, this is Exodus 33, nine. When Moses entered the tent, the pillar of clouds would descend and stand at the entrance of the tent and the Lord would speak with Moses. And when all the people saw the pillar of clouds standing at the entrance of the tent, all the people would rise up and they would worship each at his own tent door. Thus, the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. When Moses turned again into the camp, his assistant, Joshua, son of Nun, same Joshua, a young man would not depart from the tent. I don't know about you, but that makes me cry. <laughs> he would just sit and absorb the Lord. And we know that God was there and that God was speaking face to face with Moses. So he was just gleaning everything. That was transformation. So when he went into the promised land, he wasn't like choosing to believe things. He believed it. He knew God. And so he knew it. Another thing that's interesting in Numbers 13, where we were reading, I don't, you don't have to pull this up. I don't think, or maybe you have it. Who knows? I think you do. The slide. So in Numbers 13, I didn't read the part where Moses lists out all 12 people from each tribe. In verse eight, Moses says, from the tribe of Ephraim, Hoshea, the son of Nun. And then he goes on and lists everyone else. And then when he gets to the bottom, it says, and these were the names of the men whom Moses chose sent to spy out the land. And Moses called Hoshea, the son of Nun, Joshua. He changed his name. And Joshua means... Jehovah is generous and Jehovah shares. So that's not really part of my, my story today, but I did wanna tell you that names are powerful. If you haven't had children yet, when you think of names, ask the Lord what their name is. And if you already have children, begin to call them the things that you see in them because the things that we call one another, we become, we walk into it. Um, so, about Caleb, you know, there's not a lot about Caleb and meeting with the Lord, but it does say a little bit later in Numbers, uh, let's see, Caleb, um, when God is speaking, he says, but my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit, he will follow me fully. So I don't know what happened with Caleb, but he clearly was also transformed, right? Um, we can't always see the truth when we're focusing on ourselves. The 10 people 
They were children of God. They were chosen children. They had the same promise that Caleb and Joshua had, right? But when they were going through this, I don't want to dog on them. The truth is I do this. I want you guys to know I have not perfected what I'm teaching y'all in my own life. <laughs> but um, they didn't ever, ever, ever ask God what was up, right? They never were like, what do you think, God? Or God, we're scared. They, did you notice like Caleb and Joshua was like, the Lord will provide. It doesn't matter. God's going to take care of us, right? The others saw only their physical circumstance. And the problem was seeing our circumstance through our own eyes or through our own beliefs, is that we can't see the truth a lot of times. Okay, everyone, if you don't mind, just pretend, because it says, just hold up, let me see you with your hands, hold up a cluster of grapes, right? I mean, if you went to Costco, maybe, right? But what, what is this, this? This says, they came to the Valley of Ishkal and they cut down from there a single cluster of grapes and they put it on a pole for two men to carry. That was not some small pile of grapes. And you know, these, these 12, these people, they had been living in the desert. They had been living as slaves. They had been living with, not, you know, with nothing, but they couldn't see it. And how many times in our own life are there blessings around us and we cannot see them because we're looking through our own eyes. We're looking through our own, um, our flesh, our own abilities. Um, it's interesting. They also said, um, you know, this is a land, this land will devour us. But I want you to notice the progression. In the beginning, it says they were going into Geb. They noticed there's the Malachites here. There's people here. They're at the Hebron. There's some descendants of Amic. Um, and then they tell the story. They're like, it gets a little bit worse, right? Then they're like, when they're telling Moses, they're like, well, this is crazy. These people, we cannot, they will devour us. They're, we are, to them, we are like grasshoppers. Like we feel like grasshoppers and so we are to them. So that's another point. How often we, we reflect, deflect what we feel. If I feel insecure or if I feel like someone doesn't like me and people don't like me, and this is such a generic example, but I'm telling you, this is real and this keeps people in bondage. Someone walks by, doesn't see me. And I say, oh, see, they don't like me either. No, nobody likes me, right? And then the truth is the way I live my life is, in, is really in bondage because I'm so stuck on the lie that people don't like me. And everything I see, I look for an opportunity to see that same thing. Does that make sense? And that's literally what they were doing. We, we were like grasshoppers and that's what they thought too. Well, they don't know what they thought. They didn't talk to them. They didn't, they didn't even try to attack them. Like nothing even happened. So, um, Anyway, um, our weaknesses, let's see. I don't, wanna, I don't wanna stick to my notes or I will get, go so crazy. <laughs> um, oh, I was gonna point out, our testimony breeds either death or life. What we speak will always breed death or life. And we gotta think about what our testimony is and what we're speaking. You know, here they were, those 10, Lord help them, they were speaking death. And you know what happened when they went to the congregation? What happened? I'll read it again. They got to the congregation and what the congregation said. So first, they saw giants. Second, they're like, we're back. And guess what? Those giants wanna eat us. Third, they told the people. So now the people are like, would that we die in this land? Why is the Lord bringing us here to fall by the sword? 
Our wives, our little ones are gonna become prey. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? Let's get a leader and go back to Egypt. What? Egypt, Egypt is where they're slaves and they have nothing, right? But they're so full of fear that suddenly that feels more safe, right? And um, again, that, that happens to us. Fear often keeps us in a place where we think this is actually better. This feels better to me than that freedom over there that looks so scary. Um, but what's interesting here, um, when they say that, let's see. Mm, no, I'm gonna say that, sorry. So we gotta mind our testimony because what we're breeding spreads. And we have the power to spread life. You guys, the, the things that we can see that God's doing in us, we have the power to share it with others. When we are speaking about the things that God is doing in our lives, other people gain faith. They gain freedom. This ministry that I do, it is such a blessing. Not, I'm not gonna, the, the message isn't about the ministry, so I don't wanna talk about it much, but I am so blessed when I meet with someone who has a huge thing that they're dealing with and suddenly out of nowhere, God himself removes it from them or gives them peace or joy. And I just get to watch. Like, I just get to see the testimony and suddenly I'm like, I can do anything. I can go, you know, just the freedom that I get from their testimony. So, um, yeah, so anyway, I'm gonna talk about truth, okay? Because I'm gonna, truth is scripture. This is truth, okay? This is truth. We all have all kinds of truth. We all think different things, but the truth is, this is truth. And anything that we think or see or feel or believe or know that is contrary to this Bible is contrary. It means it isn't, it isn't so, it just isn't so. Um, back to those, the story, there were some true circumstances happening. There really were giants that I probably would have been very afraid of. But what happened was it wasn't the circumstance that put them in bondage, it was the lies that they believed. It was that suddenly God wanted them to be devoured and he wanted their children to be prey and God wanted them to fall by the sword. Do you see that at any point they could have been like, Wait, hold on, is this true? Does God want us devoured? Oh wait, no, that isn't who God is, right? <laughs> I'm making light of it, but the truth is that's, that's true for us most of the time. If we evaluate the things we're thinking through the eyes of scripture, we could see what we're believing if it's true and if it isn't true. Um, the reason we struggle most of the time is because of our past experiences. The, the things that's happened in our lives that we've embraced as truth that might not actually be truth. We've got to get to the real truth so that we can walk in freedom. This slide I'm about to show you, um, I just want you to know, because I don't know the copyright rules, but I got this. This isn't his wording. This isn't his wording, but this is what Ed Smith, Transformation Prayer, teaches. And I, this is just a basic thing that I just wanted to share about the two primary ways that we believe. Okay, there's two ways that we believe. We believe intellectually, that's what I learned, what I study, what my mom told me that I need to know or that I need to think. Um, teaching, the things I'm talking to you about right now mostly is intellectually, I'm speaking to you, okay? And then the other way that we believe is experientially. And this is just experiences, our life circumstance. What's happening to me and how I'm evaluating, I put truth to it. I say, oh, this is happening, that means this. 
And that's my truth. Does that make sense? Most of the time, so for us to walk in freedom, our intellectual truth has to be from here. And our experiential truth needs to come from the Lord. So we gotta have those things aligned. When those things are aligned, boy, we have freedom. Caleb and Joshua, they were aligned. They knew what God told them and they experienced the presence of God. And so it was very easy for them to see God in their circumstance. Um, So the problem is, unfortunately, most of the time, those things don't align. And when they don't align, the James 8, 1, 8, I think says um, that you're being double-minded. And I, I don't know about you, but I sometimes feel so double-minded. Like I've, I've, I believe this so hard, but I think this other thing so hard. Um, and and the, the bottom line is when there's pressure, when push comes to shove, what we, what we act out is our experiential truth. That's what we really know. Um, so just an example Well, I'm gonna go forward, okay, hold on. So it's impossible, it's possible, I'm gonna talk about the different ways you can believe each one. It's possible to intellectually know the truth and yet not have ever experienced it, right? Like I can read this, a lot of this and be like, wow, that's amazing, but I might not have experienced it. So it might not be really hitting me, okay? For example, I can read John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever should believe within him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And I can read that, or I can be told that, and I can gain in intellectual knowledge. I can be like, okay, that's what I learned. I learned that God loves me. And then I can experience it. I can have a revelation from God where I'm like, oh my, God loves me. And I can be set free, which is salvation, okay? Um, I'm gonna give you an example. My son Josiah, my baby, uh, he's probably gonna be like, why did you say that? But uh, <laughs> um, when he was four, when he was four, I always prayed for my kids from when they were in the room. I'd say, Lord, let their testimony be that they never knew a day without you. They never knew what it was like not to have you. Well, when he was four, he just, one day we were praying and he said, mom, how do I, how do I know Jesus loves me? And so I said, well, the Bible is the word, it's the truth. And the Bible says that he loves you. And you can know that he loves you just by knowing the Bible. But I believe you can also experience him because we have the Holy Spirit. So I'm gonna pray for you and that you'll experience God's love for you. So I said, Lord, I just, Josiah, we love you. Josiah loves you, but he wants to feel your truth. He wants to know that you love him. And Josiah goes, no, I didn't feel anything. And I was like, well, you could have given it a second, right? I'm like, oh my gosh. I was like, okay. That's okay, it doesn't matter because you know in the Bible that God says he loves you and that's enough. But you gotta know for the next about five or six days, I was praying, I was on my face praying, Lord, let Josiah experience your love. Let him know how much you love him, that he will know it for himself. And every night I prayed with Josiah that same basic prayer. And every night before he would even let God talk, he was like, I didn't hear anything. So then about the sixth night, and I'm like, God, I'm gonna need you to be quick. Um, I said, Josiah, I'm gonna pray for you. So we prayed and he he was laying there, I'll never forget. And he goes, yes, yes, he said yes. 
And, and Judah was on his bunk and Judah looked down and he, so he jumped down. Well, my girls, they're in another room and they come running in because we're all just talking about this and everyone's celebrating and we're dancing. We're, and Josiah's like, he said yes. Or he's just excited. And Judah goes, Josiah, what did he say? And Josiah goes, yes. <laughs> because the thing is, when it's supernatural, when it's an encounter with the Lord, it doesn't, ha- it doesn't even have to be words. It doesn't have to be anything. It just is a sudden It's a sudden transformation that happens in us where we knew this and now we know this. And you know, the thing about it is, I can be talked out of my intellectual experiences. I can be talked out of my intellectual truth, but nobody, not even myself, can talk me out of my experience. After that, Josiah wore a cape for many years that said prayer warrior. And we had to go out often so he could pray for people. I would say he has the gift of faith, but I think we all do. We just need to exercise it. When we're struggling to apply intellectual truth, it's because we haven't experienced it. And that's okay. We just need to know where we're at so we can know what to ask for. Um, so it's, that's possible. What else is possible and more common is when we intellectually know the truth, but our experience tells us the opposite. Um, I'm gonna give you an example with job loss. I try, I'm trying to keep this lighthearted because see, you know what testimony breeds testimony, but the work that I'm in, I can't be giving people's testimony because that's inner healing. It's a private thing. So I just use my children. <laughs> I, get, I get permission to. <laughs> just the ones I have permission to use. Um, but here's a, an example of, uh, of when our intellectual knowledge and our spiritual knowledge or experiential knowledge are different. Say I'm, I'm a believer, I love the Lord, and, I'm, you know, and I believe Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah provides, the Lord is my provider. I give glory to God at my job that I have that job. And I'm not mocking here, this is just as genuine. And then I lose my job out of nowhere. Well, suddenly I have fear and I have panic and I have anxiety and I'm thinking, I don't know what I'm gonna do. What am I supposed to do? How am I gonna provide for my family? How am I gonna pay my bills? How am I gonna do all of this? Do you see there? It's because our experience has taught us that we provided for ourselves, which is kind of true. I mean, we, were, we are doing it with God, right? But we can replace what needs to happen for us to get back in line is we've got to replace that experiential truth with his truth. And the, the easiest way to do it is to recognize the lie that we're believing. When I'm having anxiety and I'm having stress, that is not who God called me to. So I'm obviously believing something that is not true to the Bible. So say, that's it, I lose my job. And then fear sets in. So then I can say all this. And I can say, these are facts. A lot of people will tell me that. Well, these are facts. These are facts. The giants were facts. The fact is they lost the job. What isn't a fact is that you alone are your provision, that you alone take care of yourself, that you are in this world on your own. Because you can find in scripture in the New Testament, lots of places and in the Old Testament where that contradicts. So you recognize that and then you confess it. And then you say, okay, God, I'm sorry. I was taking this all on my own. And then whatever, you can say, there's no hocus pocus to it. Whatever you wanna say to God, or you may not even say nothing, but he will bring you peace, even in that situation. 
He, he may not be like, oh, well, that's funny, I have a job right here. Uh, maybe he will, but what he will do for sure is transform you. He will remind you if you give it to him and you ask him, he will remind you that he has this and he has you. And then you'll suddenly be like, I did lose my job, but it's gonna be fine. I'm working on something. Something's gonna work out, right? Um, so the word of God is truth. We talked about that. When our experiences or our beliefs are contrary to scripture, there's something wrong with our experiences or our beliefs, right? And like I said, experiences, nobody can take our experiences from us, but God can take our experiences and replace them with his experience. And that's what he loves to do. Um, when we don't pause and look for the lies in our lives, we miss out on so much. We just, we miss out on the blessings of God. We keep ourselves in a place of lukewarmness or bonded, maybe bondage or complacency or negativity or hopelessness because we're not, we're not looking for the blessings because we're stuck in the lies that we're believing. Um, Numbers goes on to say that the 10, God said the 10, those 10 didn't get out of the promised land. He said, I'm gonna take Joshua and I'm gonna take Caleb and I'm gonna take all their descendants. And I'm even gonna take all 10 of the others descendants and they're gonna go into the promised land. Now, God doesn't really operate like that in today. After Jesus came, he doesn't operate in the same way. But, but, but we do miss out on so much when we're trusting in our own selves and our own experiences. And we're, we're shielded from seeing the truth. And in our own life, we're shielded from the seeing the truth so much. Um, I was gonna talk about my daughter, Maddie. <laughs> Give Maddie, my Maddie a story. Um, one time when Maddie, so this is about Judah too. Judah was about three and Maddie was about six. And Maddie was about this big at six and Judah was about this big at three. <laughs> and, um, you know, I just kind of kept thinking like something was off with Maddie. I saw her kind of snap at Judah a few times, but really didn't really happen. She was kind of negative. And uh, I kept thinking, I just, I don't remember thinking that. I remember walking by my bed one day, a few weeks in and feeling like something is going on with Maddie. I need to, I need to go and talk to Maddie. So I go in her room and she's drawing and I said, hey, girl, what you doing? She says, nothing. And I said, well, what's been going on? And she said, not much. And I said, well, are you doing okay? And she said, yeah. Well, I mean, you love Judah more than me, but that's all. <laughs> so the thing is, when you believe a lie, it feels really true, right? And so you don't ever, I don't wanna invalidate her or make her feel not heard. And I certainly don't wanna have an intellectual argument with her about what is true, because we know that that doesn't usually work. So I just listened, I said, wow, okay. When did you first feel like you knew that I loved Judah more than you? And she said, the other day when we were drawing, we were in the play, we were in the schoolroom, we were all drawing and you came in and I'll be honest with you, I remember going in there, I don't remember anything else about it, but she said, you came in there and you said, oh, Judah, your drawing is so beautiful. I love your drawing, Judah. And she's like, and then you just left. Well, the truth is Maddie is an artist, but that is regardless. So I said, wow, how did that make you feel? And she said, like, you love Judah more than me. 
I said, dang, that cannot feel good. She said, it doesn't. And I said, do you think we could pray about it and ask God if he has any insight for you? Anything, anything? And she said, yeah. So we offered that to God and said, Lord, is that true? Like, do you have anything for Maddie? Is that true? And I asked if it was true because I knew it wasn't. And she started, after a minute, she started smiling and she said, he said it isn't true. (laughs) And I said, it isn't true, Maddie. I love you so much. And she said, you know what I just thought of? And I said, what? She said, we were all in there. You came in, Judah was like, oh, look at my picture. Look at my picture. She's like, you had to see that because he's little. (laughs) Now, again, I really didn't remember the situation. Um, Two things about that. I didn't remember it because it wasn't a big deal to me. But just so you know, it doesn't matter how little the situation, lies can creep into our belief system. But the other thing is, Maddie had not been able to see the truth of the circumstance when she was looking at it through the eyes of a lie. Once she heard the Lord say the truth, she suddenly saw, she's like, oh, I see this all, I see the whole thing now. I ha- that happens all the time in ministry, all the time. Self-proclaimed lies, but, but they feel true. And someone finally, the Lord finally breaks it off and the person goes, oh, wow, this is what's actually happening. So we just, um, when, we're, when we're caught doing that, we're robbing ourselves of seeing the truth. Now, I wanna, I wanna, take a moment, a point of clarification to say that it could be that there are situations where in that situation, a parent doesn't love the child. So God isn't gonna be like, no, it's not true. Because sometimes in our sad reality of our broken world is sometimes really bad things happen. And sometimes those kinds of things are true. But it doesn't matter as far as God cares, he still can redeem you and set you free. He still can bring so much love upon you that you suddenly don't even care. And you know what happens all the time in ministry? A person gets free and then immediately, like without even us having to talk about it, they have just already forgiven this other person and they're going, oh my gosh, this other person, my parent or whatever, they... They're so wounded, they're so broken, they don't even know what love is. Like they suddenly can see it from the Lord's side. So there's no longer a struggle of forgiveness or even freedom because God brings it when we we ask him for it. Um, So I don't want this, I feel like some people might be thinking, this all sounds weird and mysterious. I don't really even know what you're talking about. and the truth is God is weird and mysterious and it's crazy to all of us, right? And I, and I recognize when I look around this room, there are people in here that are so beyond me in their experience with the Lord and with the Holy Spirit. But I also recognize that maybe some people are like, I don't really get what you're talking about. So I just wanna share a few things in scripture. Ephesians 3.19, it says, it's Paul and he's praying, to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up to the, with all the fullness of God, right? That's what I'm talking about. This love of Christ that surpasses all knowledge. He has that for us. He said it, it's in his word. And we must experience truth. We, we need to experience him. I mean, we, can, we cannot. We can, we can live our whole lives and, and, and be faithfully following Christ and be saved and not experience him. But guys, we wanna experience him. We wanna experience him. He brings freedom. He changes everything, everything. 
Paul goes on, um, well, this is actually before that, but Ephesians 1, 17 and 18, he says, I keep asking the God of our Lord Jesus, the Father of glory, that he would give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. It's revelation and the knowledge of him. Revelation comes from him. And I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. Oh, I used to always pray that my kids, when they were little, now I'm like, stop knowing more than me all the time. But, um, oh, that the eyes of your heart would be opened. When the eyes of our heart are opened, everything changes. That our heart would be enlightened, that we would know him and the hope of his calling and the riches and the glory of his inheritance in the saints. This assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen, they're both experiential. That's how we get them. We get them from experience with the Lord. This is why we know some things with certainty. This is why Josiah knows that Jesus loves him. This is why we know that Joshua said, you guys, their protection is removed from them. God has given us this land, okay? Um, I wanna give you, a, talk about that um, just for a second, like the, the situation, like did I, did I talk about an abusive parent? No, okay. For those who were listening, everyone else is like, yeah, he did. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so, so sometimes when, um, when we're young, uh, uh, a parent might abuse a kid in, a, you know, in any way, right? Um, and so again, I just wanna help everyone understand, it's not about the circumstance. It's not about the circumstance. The circumstance never is what keeps us in bondage. It's what we gain from the circumstance that keeps us in freedom or bondage. It's how we see and evaluate the circumstance. Do I see it through the eyes of the Lord or am I seeing it through my own eyes? Now, this isn't, I mean, a child, of course, does all they know is what's, what they're learning and what they're being taught at home is that, I don't know, but whatever their lies are, it's probably something like, I'm not worthy to be loved. This is all my fault. Parents are not safe. You can't trust adults. Everyone is always gonna hurt me, okay? And all of those things, again, feel true. I'm not saying they don't feel true. I'm just saying they're not true because the scripture says the opposite about you. The scripture says you can feel safe. You can feel loved by me, by God. He says, I can do all these things. And so even in those situations, which, and I talk about children a lot because a lot of times when I'm meeting with adults, we, what we're talking really about is what happened as a child that they experientially believed that we're trying to get freedom from. And so in those situations, I'm telling you, every time the key is to say, okay, not, not, not to focus on, but Lord, they did this and it wasn't okay, but Lord, they did, that's true, that is true but that's not getting you freedom. Freedom is gonna be when you start saying, what am I believing about this about me? And then saying, Lord, is this true about me? Is this true about me that I am really unlovable, that it's really my fault? And that may sound scary to you, but I promise you, God will be faithful to you. He will be faithful to you. And it doesn't always, it doesn't always happen. Transformation doesn't always happen instantaneously, but I believe it does often enough and more often than people are willing to even give it a chance. We don't give it a chance. We mostly, we all, me included, go to the Lord with our situation. And we're like, ah, 
ah, God's not doing anything. We're like, well, it's like we didn't, what? God's like, well, I don't know. You're just yelling at me. I don't know. What am I supposed to do? But I think if we could figure out what we're believing about our situation, hand it to him and say, God, this feels so true. Is it true? And then listen to him. You will be surprised. Um, okay, experiences and God talking to us. So I'm just doing that because um, Paul and I didn't talk really much at all, but he did mention, he's like, well, just, and, and he, we don't know each other that well. And that's why I was so honored that he trusted me, that he asked me to speak. But he's like, well, just, um, I, his words were very kind because Paul is very loving. But I, what I got from it was just like, don't talk crazy. <laughs> I mean, he may be like, I don't even know what she's talking about. But anyway, so I just wanna, I just wanna kind of level the field for all of us. Cause like I said, I, I do remember getting saved when I was like 14 and going to church and being like, no, I don't know what you're talking about. Um, so God can talk to any of us anyway. I said that earlier. He, can, he, you know, what Joshua did is he just sat at the tent and God miraculously worked in his life. We can hand him things, we can do all kinds of things. But when we're hearing from him, that too can be so different for everyone. You can see something, you can have a vision, you can have a dream, you can audibly hear God. It's never happened to me. My, my thing mostly is sometimes I'll hear something, but mostly what I get is I'm like, I think this and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is the truth, right? Like I, I didn't feel like a supernatural experience, but it obviously was because I had 180 degree in my thinking. And that's so funny when that happens. So that'll happen in ministry. Someone's like, this bad thing happened or whatever. And then they get freedom and they're like, well, it's really not that big of a deal. <laughs> that happens so much. I'm like, well, you thought I was earlier. So, um, no, I don't say that, but um, <laughs> God, God talks to us anyway. And, and if you are in this room right now and you're like, well, he doesn't talk to me or, but you don't actually know my circumstance or, but... <laughs> but the sin that I committed is one that's unmentionable and we can't really even talk about. So if you're in this room and you have anything like that that you're saying, I just want you to know very kindly, lovingly and respectfully that you are believing a lie because God has full truth for you. When he died on the cross once and for all, for all your sins, he died for every one of them. When he says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and he is just, and he forgives us our sins and he cleanses us from all unrighteousness. So if it is about yourself, if it's something you're believing about yourself, I encourage you to say, what am I believing that is not true, that's holding me back from the promises and the promised land? Not to be confused with salvation. You're saved no matter what. If you believe the Lord is your savior, he died for you but it's, it's on earth, you could be living a full and abundant life. Um, so anyway, he talks to us all kinds of, all kinds of ways and we don't, we're not gonna limit him. But I often say, what is the Lord saying? And maybe when people are up here at the front, they might say, do you hear the Lord saying anything? Um, but they're just wanting to hear like what's going on, like what's going on with you. Um, so that just say, well, I don't hear anything that's a fair place to start, right? Or I don't see anything. But just know those words don't really mean anything specific and you don't have to be actually hearing God speaking in an audible voice, although that can happen. Um, so all this is great and wonderful, but the bottom line is that we have choices. God gave us a free will 
and we get to choose what we believe and we get to choose how we believe it. Deuteronomy 30, I think 18, 19, it says, I set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now I say to you, choose life. He says, choose life. Life, the goodness of God cannot be compared to anything else, to any circumstance, to anything. And it overcomes all things. And it is the work of the Holy Spirit. Um, I think it's interesting that uh, today Josh talked about unforgiveness because I was thinking, um, I wanted to mention unforgiveness. Unforgiveness is kind of a huge, huge thing that we probably all, everyone in this room, all of us have struggled with and maybe struggling with right now. Because we intellectually forgive someone. We choose to forgive someone. And then wouldn't you know it, something happens and boy, we realize we did not really forgive them, right? I think it's because we're choosing and choosing and choosing with our mind over and over again. I think one of the keys to forgiving someone is to ask the Lord or even yourself, because I believe we know it. We know, we know. What am I believing that's keeping me in bondage to this person. Here are some things that could be. Um, they don't, okay, you're like, no, I know, they, I know they deserve forgiveness. I know that I need to forgive them, God forgives me. But maybe at the end of the day, when you're alone and you think about it, you're like, they do not deserve forgiveness. Like that could be true. I know I felt that way before. Um, it could be that you say, well, if I forgive them, it means that what they did was okay, right? So, that's not true either. That's not true either. Because what they did wasn't okay. It's just about, it's not, you're not the judge, the God is. Um, it could be that you think, if I forgive them, it means I'll have to reconcile with them. And that's also not true. Because God doesn't, there are people that you just really shouldn't be in relationship with, that you just really shouldn't trust. I remember a long time ago, Jan Cherry, one of my favorite humans ever, I think she's on the web. Hi, Jan. Um, we used to pray together. We used to do ministry together. And she said, one time we were praying and someone was, it was a really bad situation with the dad and she was forgiven him. And uh, the dad said, or, or she was forgiven him. And then we were praying about it. And she said, but I think if I forgive him, I have to be reconciled with him. Well, I knew that wasn't true. So I said, well, ask the Lord about it. And so she, we, we prayed for a second and she said, God said, he doesn't trust him either. <laughs> Jan and I laughed about that for so long. We just thought that was so funny. God doesn't trust him either. So anyway, if you're dealing with unforgiveness, I'm not saying that it was justified or that it was okay. I'm just saying for you to get freedom, you might need to deal with that so that you can truly release that person and let God deal with them. Uh, because it is for freedom that Christ set us free. Now, I, I touched on mostly more gentle issues of how we feel and our circumstances, but um, there's really, there are really big things, and I know that. None of them are beyond the grasp of grace. Let's see, oh, I gotta be done. Okay, we're gonna pray. Um, I believe right now in this room, God has freedom and he wants to encounter all of us. I truly, truly do. I've been praying about it so much and I'm like, he, he wants to meet with us. If you wanna meet with him, he wants to meet with you. Um, 
I, I have a few things I'd like to say. First, like what I said, if you feel like um, you don't hear from him, you just know that the scripture is true and you do not stop meeting him at the tent, okay? Um, and seeking out, what am I believing? And the other thing is the freedom of choice. We have a choice. Do I want to keep believing this? Sometimes we wanna keep believing this. Like if I feel like I'm unworthy and there's a new job opportunity for me, I keep thinking, I can't do it, I'm not worthy. I can't do it, I'm not worthy. And I might miss that opportunity because I chose to keep believing that I'm not worthy. So I'm saying today, I implore you to choose to be brave and to choose to be courageous and dealing with the lies that you might be believing about your circumstance or about yourself and see what God has to say. Um, I wanted to say one more little thing about how to hear from God. I think that's been a common thing lately that people are saying. This, this works a lot of times. This worked when my kids were little, when I was first trying it. This works sometimes when I can't hear God. If you just write down whatever it is you're struggling with, maybe it's your situation, just begin to write. Like, this is the situation and how bad it stinks. And then allow yourself to believe, write down what you believe about the situation, right? Which are the lies. This is impossible, right? Well, nothing's impossible for God, sorry. Um, or whatever. <laughs> write down your lies, okay? Just write them out. Just be raw, honest with how you feel. And then while you're writing, say, okay, God, what's the truth? And then without thinking, let yourself keep writing and just write without thinking and, look, and then look back at it, okay? A lot of times God will speak to you while you're not thinking about it. And then you'll be like, wow, I wrote that. And that's how God feels. One more quick thing about when, to, when he's speaking to us, a lot of times we'll say, how do you know it's God? Well, it's pretty, okay, it's either God or it's us or the enemy, right? So it's pretty easy to tell if it's God or the enemy because if, it's, if you hear all this and it's like, well, that's the opposite of what the Bible says, do you know that's not God? But where people get stuck usually is when they say, but how do I know it's not me? Well, it doesn't really matter. God is in you. God is in you. And so you should be feeling those things about yourself. You should. And the other thing is, most of the time, we don't see that good of ourselves. If we write all this glorious stuff and we're like, how do I know that was God? Well, would you have written that about yourself a minute ago? Right? Let's be looking for the blessings. Let's be looking for the things he has for us. So I'm gonna pray. If you, um, for the altar call, if you want to come down and pray about anything, then someone will meet you. And it'll be, a God, it'll be kind of like where you're more talking with God. As ministers, we're gonna be, whoever comes up, we're gonna try to be more quiet and let God speak to the person. Let's not get nervous that he's not going to. Let's trust that he is, okay? Let's let the Lord speak. He may have already been telling you things that you may have already gotten freedom from right now. And you're like, I don't know, I'm ready, I'm good to go. And that's awesome. Um, but if you have a circumstance that right now feels impossible or feels like you don't understand, this one is all true. I promise you, God could be in that. And he doesn't, like I said, it, it, you may still have a bad circumstance. This isn't gonna supernaturally change the circumstance, but it'll change your peace and your love and your hope, okay? So we're gonna ask to come and then we're gonna ask Holy Spirit just to speak his truth to us. I'm gonna um, just pray for everyone if that's okay. So Lord, I thank you for the opportunity today. I thank you for your presence in this room. 
I thank you for scripture that guides us and leads us and tells us what to do step by step. And Lord, we want freedom. We long for freedom. No one here in this place is beyond your grace. No one in this place is beyond your, your circumstance. Circumstances are so small to you, God, that feel like they feel like giants to us, but they're not to you. So I ask Holy Spirit that you would be moving right now. Quicken our discernment. Give us wisdom and understanding about what we're thinking and believing that's keeping us in captivity. Lord, we ask for transformation today, supernatural transformation. Come Holy Spirit, come Holy Spirit. So prayer ministers, if you want to come forward, if anyone would like to pray, we would like to begin to pray for you. I'm so sorry. Could everyone stand? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God, that you bring freedom. We declare your freedom in our lives. We declare your truth in our lives, Lord. We don't wanna live in the struggle of day to day, turning it back to you. We wanna be free so that we know that we know that we're free and no circumstances beyond you. Lord, I ask your movement in here. I pray, Lord Jesus, that this week, while we are going forward with our week, that we would be aware of the things that we're believing that do not line up with your truth. And that we would just day by day, remove them, be quickened to hear you. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for freedom. Right now, Lord Jesus, I pray truth among this room. I pray your truth. I pray, Lord Jesus, that everyone, everywhere where they're standing, that you would be saturating with their truth, that they would begin to know the depth and the length of your love for them. Lord, I pray that their situation would suddenly see hopeful, that they would see a light at the end of the tunnel. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would give them right now, that they would get new direction, new understanding of what to do in that circumstance. Step by step, show them how to get there, how to do it. Lord, we release your life. We ask, Lord Jesus, that our testimonies would breed life. We thank you. We thank you, Jesus. Thank you, everyone. Go ahead. You can still keep coming forward. That's fine. But if you, uh, you can be dismissed, I pray the Lord will bless you and keep you, make his face shine on you and be gracious to you and give you peace.